And a very good day. This is Pastor Mark with Touch of God. It's great to have you listening this week. Bless you and bless your hearts in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is with us today, with you today. He is near. He is not far. Are we near to him? Have we drawn nigh unto him so that he can draw nigh unto us? If we're born again, the Lord is within us. But do we know that we should acknowledge that? Do we acknowledge that in our hearts? Is it a knowing that you have that every day you take the Lord with you wherever you go, that he sees what you see, he hears what you hear, he knows how you feel, when you feel it, when you think it. He sees the enemy sharing doubts with you, but he want the, the, but the Lord wonders if you will accept and believe in that doubt or believe in him instead. So we should all be conscious of these things every day. So let me start off with Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. You may well know of this already. And if you do, then you have full marks in the class, 10 out of 10 on your test. Because Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, we have read it many times before. You can never overread Scripture. You can never read it too much. It's possible not to read it, and that's not good. Because, well, we do know that we need spiritual food. We need the truth to set us free. We don't we don't read the word, we're not set free because the Son has not been able to set us free because we haven't given him the permission to and the ability to. <clears throat> so Ephesians chapter one verse seventeen for I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation, of insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him by having the eyes of your heart flooded with light, so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you, and how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints, his set-apart ones, and so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. So if you believe today, if you're a believer and you believe in the Lord's word and the things of the Lord and his will and his character and his nature and understand him, if you believe, if you believe in the name of Jesus, if you believe in him, and keep his commandments, then all these things I just read are yours. All these things, the surpassing and unlimited, immeasurable greatness of the of the Lord's power in and for us who believe. Wow. So if we don't believe, there's not going to be much greatness of anything in working in us, except a greatness of doubt, a greatness of misunderstanding, and hopefully that doesn't become unlimited or immeasurable, because that would be terrible for us to go through. We need to be receiving the power of the Lord in immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness so that because we believe and not because we doubt. So we must believe in the Lord's word today. We must not just read it. We must meditate on it day and night, as the psalmist wrote in chapter 1 of Psalms, verses 1 and 2, because it's the word that you have to become like, not the world. The word of God transforms you, but it doesn't do it by you just opening the Bible, you must meditate on each verse. You must put away the distractions. 
you must cancel the phone, put it on silent, put it on to the side, and you must uh, close your close yourself in a room, close you know lock yourself away in a room in the house. Tell everybody else you're spending an hour with the Lord, so that they will respect your privacy or privacy, and you will spend time in each verse, and the verses that you like, but also the verses that you need to read. And then you will find that because you meditate on those verses, it will become a part of you. If you just read a verse and then go on to the next verse, and you say to yourself, "Well, I understand those verses. Let me go on to the next one," that's not really meditating. Or focusing or pondering on those verses, as it says in Psalms chapter one, verse one and two, that's reading the verse, yet agreeing with your mind that yes, you believe, you understand everything that the the verse just said, but the Holy Spirit may well have much deeper revelation for you if you would just spend more time on that verse, on each word, and take it apart, examine it. That's what God wants you to do, because there's so much meat. And so much depth of revelation in every part of God's word, every single word of God's word, every single word of every single scripture. So we must be transformed, according to chapter twelve, verse two of Romans, by the renewing of our mind. We can only be transformed by reading the word of God and doing it, meditating on it, pondering on it, doing the word. Then we become the Word. We become more like Christ because Jesus was the Word made flesh. So that is the key. So for our own good and for the acknowledgement of the love of Christ that Jesus died for us, for the gratitude that we must owe the Lord, the respect and appreciation for what God sacrificed for us, the least we can do is do what the psalmist said. And meditate and ponder the word of God, and do the commandments of the Lord, the Great Commission, Matthew chapter Matthew chapter twenty eight, Mark chapter sixteen, verse fifteen to sixteen, and go about preaching this gospel, teaching the gospel, telling people about Jesus, so that the payment that God made will not be in vain, so that we may be, you know, as Jesus said, we should be letting our light so shine upon men, and how can we? Let a light shine when the light is dim, because we haven't been spending time with him. We haven't been doing what he said we should do. We've been having these distractions that the enemy continuously throws at us, and we've been accepting and believing and practicing the distractions, whether they be something on the television, endless conversations with people about nothing to do with the Lord. So, some scriptural fundamentals, and it's it's never. A problem was no harm done in going over some fundamental scriptures, and let's just read a couple that pertain to the very word of God itself. These are these are somewhat cornerstones, you might say. So the first one would be Second Timothy chapter three verse sixteen, and this is the Amplified Classic Edition. Second Timothy chapter three verse sixteen says, "Every scripture is God breathed, given by His inspiration, and profitable for instruction." For reproof and conviction of sin, for correction of error, and discipline in obedience, and for training in righteousness, in holy living, in conformity to God's will, in thought, purpose, and action. So let's say that again. It's every scripture, every verse. So this verse here that talks about every scripture being God breathed was God breathed, and God was 
felt it very necessary to breathe Second Timothy chapter three verse sixteen into the hearts of those who wrote this book and these verses, as he did for every other writer who took down and wrote down and recorded what the Holy Spirit had provided for words, which was the Word of God, in the hearts of those people who made a note and recorded what they, what they felt they heard from the Lord. They were God-breathed, these verses. So every scripture is God-breathed. So if someone says, well, but man wrote the Bible. Well, just like an author has inspiration to go and, and write a story, the actual writers, they were not the authors. The author of the Word was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave the writers the inspiration the thought of what to put down. So it was God-breathed. That's your answer to those people. Because, yes, it wasn't God who physically took his hand and he wrote the word in the Bible physically with his hand and a quill or a pen or, or whatever. It was the Holy Spirit inspiring those people. So here's the other fundamental scripture that we want to talk about today. It's Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, the soul, and the immortal spirit, and of joints and marrow, of the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. So this is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. The word of God that you read, it's alive. It's not dead. It's not just ink on paper. It is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. Now, you might say, well, if it's so full of power, why didn't it get me saved automatically? Well, that's because the word of God, okay, it becomes active when there's faith applied to it. So when you believed by G- in the name of Jesus and you received him as your Savior and your Lord, you believe by faith. And because the word said, and it talks about the fact that Jesus has paid on the cross for your sins, while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. That is active. And all the scriptures that relate to your salvation, they were active and they became active for you in the moment that you engaged and believed in those verses. The name of Jesus, for example. Your faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, became activated together with the word. And they mixed together, and the outcome was you were born again, and God translated you out of the powers of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son, Jesus. So that is the power of the word of God. But there are so many other verses, not just relating to salvation, although salvation, of course, is a very big one. So how do we become saved? Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by and through me. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. Because if you acknowledge and confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and in your heart believe, adhere to, trust in, and rely on the truth that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, adheres to, trusts in, and relies on Christ, and so is justified, declared righteous, acceptable to God. And with the mouth he confesses, declares openly, and speaks out freely his faith, and confirms his salvation. 
You see, all these verses are active. They become operative and active for you specifically when you engage in the truth of those verses or the action that the verse requires of you for the other part of the verse to become active and true. Because a lot of verses in the Bible, you might agree, are conditional. The verse will say, if you do this, then this will happen. And sometimes it will, it will basically mean if you do something good, then this will happen. If you do something bad, you will have to pay the ramifications, the repercussions, the circumstances for what you do, which is just sowing and reaping. But the Bible is sometimes very specific about what happens to the wicked and what happens to the righteous. If you look at the book of Proverbs, a lot of Proverbs is the, the contrast between the wicked and the righteous and deciding which side, which side of the fence am I on today and what is going to happen to me? What should I be focusing on out of the book of Proverbs? I need greater understanding. I need wisdom. And God is very liberal with wisdom. You just have to ask him for it and he provides it liberally according to the word of God. So how did you become saved? Well, you know that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life, and it's the only way, the only truth, and the only life. No one else is the way, the truth, and the life except Jesus, and he's the only way to the Father. So, by faith you believed in Jesus in your heart to be your Savior. You relied on him by faith to rescue you. Now, why do I say rescue? We are all on the path to destruction and to hell unless we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Because of what happened in the Garden of Eden, chapter 3, verse 6 of Genesis, where Eve ate of the fruit and so did Adam, of the very tree that God told them not to, because in the day that they ate of the tree, they would surely die. That's why he warned them not to touch the tree, but they did anyway. Amen? Because they were seduced, they were deceived by the devil, but they still had enough understanding and common sense to obey the one who created them. But they decided against that. So they weren't stupid. Well, their act, their act was stupid, but they weren't stupid enough not to understand a simple command from, from the Father, from, from the Lord himself. So because of that, we, the human species, the human race, were set now to surely die, spiritually die. We were no longer spiritually alive. So we were now God knew that because he loved us so much, he would have to send his son to become a ransom for us, to rescue us, to pay the price in our place. Because there's no way that we could be on that cross because our blood was already tainted. And it has to be the blood of one who never sinned before in order to take the sins of those of all of us could be placed upon the one who didn't sin. And that the only one who didn't sin in existence of the human species in the form of man was Jesus Christ himself. Bless his heart. Bless the Lord Jesus' name today. Bless him. Bless his holy name for doing what was right, doing what the Father's will. And and you cannot say, and not his own will, because his own will was to do the Father's will. It wasn't that Jesus had a different agenda and to, and to force himself to do his Father's will. Jesus, according to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, Jesus is the exact representation of the nature of, Father, of the Father. And that doesn't doesn't say that he had to be an exact representation of the nature of the Father by force against the desire of his heart. No, it doesn't say that. It just says that he is the exact representation of his nature. Jesus doesn't have to try to be like his Father. He's like his Father, like Father, like Son. They're very much on the same page. And Jesus carried out the will of the Father graciously and honorably and 
pleasing the Father. Yes, of course, Jesus sweat with the drops like blood in the garden when he realized what was facing him with the crucifixion and the punishment and all the, the persecution, I should say. But he went through with it anyway because he knew it was the right thing to do and he was submitting to his father throughout his entire existence upon the earth in the form of man. So we have a lot to be thankful to the Father today for even deciding to send his Son because he loves you. But we also have to be thankful to the the Lord Jesus himself for carrying out that precious will of the Father, because without which we would all be doomed. We would all be doomed. And now we have the opportunity to spread the gospel so that there is less people doomed in this life and on their way to the Father through the way, the truth, and the life, that is Jesus. So we have to tell the good news before someone takes their last breath so that they have the opportunity to make a choice. So by faith, you believed in Jesus in your heart to be your Savior. You relied on him by faith to rescue you. You believed in your heart that God the Father raised his son Jesus from the dead. So that comes from Romans chapter 10, verse 9, those pieces of that. I'm just explaining what chapter 10, verse 9 means. Now, God wants you to keep Jesus as your Lord over your life. It is for your own good, but more than that, Jesus wants to live through you. More of that in a later program. So remember that according to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see, and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. So when God said light be in Genesis chapter 1, he did not see light before it appeared. He had to believe by faith. And you say, well, that sounds silly. God believing by faith, he has to have faith himself. Of course, God has no trouble with doubt because he is the all-sovereign God. He believes in what he says. He believes that what he says shall come to pass, and therefore his faith functions flawlessly 100% every time. It's his will that doesn't always get accomplished on the earth when he tells us to go and pray for someone and we feel an unction to go to pray for someone. It's his will to set that person free, but do we obey the voice of the Lord in our heart to go over there? So you can't say that God's will is always done. It's not automatic. But God's faith, the faith of God when God speaks, always works. Amen. So when he said light be, light became. And light still obeys to, to, to this day because light has not been told not to become by the Lord or by someone else in faith. So you had to use faith to believe in Jesus in order to become saved, become born again, in order for God to be able to rescue you, to transfer you out of the powers of darkness out of Satan's kingdom, or so-called kingdom, the kingdom of confusion and discombobulation, with those demons running around, not in unity, but still causing destruction, or trying to cause destruction and deception in our lives, nevertheless. But we hold Satan in no high regard today. We hold him in low regard. He is underneath our feet, or he should be. You should be placing the devil underneath your feet. You You should be placing sickness and disease underneath your feet in the name of Jesus because you're, you remember, you are in heavenly places in Christ, seated next to the Father. You are seated in Christ. You're not standing up even. You're seated in heavenly places in Christ who's also seated. Remember, he got up to see Stephen being stoned. 
but he got up from being seated. That's when he stood. But the Bible says he is seated in heavenly places next to the Father, and we're in Christ. So that means we are positionally above everything else except for God himself. We are not above God. We are seated next to him in his Son. So now we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, but the first part of that is also true. We can do all things through Christ. But by the way, he also strengthens us. So that means we can speak to the mountain beneath us. And remember, we're in heavenly places, but we're also physically here on the earth. So now you can speak to a situation and just imagine and believe that it's beneath you. This issue is beneath you. This problem of poverty is beneath you. If you're suffering from poverty, if you're suffering from lack or sickness or disease, it's beneath you. It's beneath you because Jesus reigns. He reigns and he's trying to reign through you. Yes, he will come back to reign. But while he's here on the earth inside of you and while you're in heavenly places in him, in both places, you can both co-labor together, be co-workers together, as Galatians says, and you can go about continuing to do good, healing all who are oppressed of the devil, for God is with you. Are you the one doing the healing? Well, it depends if you believe in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, because it says, you are, it is not I who am alive, but Christ is alive in me. And words to that effect. So that means that, are you alive today? If you are alive, then that's a problem. Remember, we're supposed to put on the new man, and the old man's supposed to be dead. The old carnal thinking person that we used to be, trying to figure a life out ourselves based on our understanding, and not leaning on the Lord's understanding instead. That got us in trouble, and it didn't get us saved at all. Jesus had to get us saved by through another believer leading us to him, Christ. But we had to believe by faith. But now we are born again with a brand new spirit. We get to read the Bible. We get to read each verse and we believe it's true for us. And that then begins the renewal process back to chapter 12 and verse 2 of Romans so that the, the, the renewal process is basically reading the word of God, believing it's true receiving it for yourself and then acting acting that truth through your life for you because you're no longer who the devil said you are you're no longer a child of the devil he's no longer your father your heavenly father is your father now but remember the word of god has to get into your mind your mind has to be renewed to the truth no matter what you see you must believe by faith and not walk by sight So you must believe what the Word of God says, act it out on the streets, in your home, praying for people, loving on people, telling people about the Lord, laying hands on the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons. And you must be doing these things, but you're doing it in the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. So you are being transformed by the renewing of your mind. You are going through a transformation process. I'm still going through a transformation process. It's not a 24-hour cycle. It's not a 24-hour thing where I get saved on Monday and I'm completely transformed in my mind with my understanding by Tuesday evening. This is an ongoing process, but the speed at which you become transformed is down to you. You get to choose how quick you get to understand the truth. And I pray that if you don't have... A, a teacher or a pastor in your life that is truly telling you and teaching you the, your identity in Christ. You must find one. 
you must find one, even if you don't like this program. And I pray that I have been, and the Lord has been able to teach through me to you over these weeks and months. But if it's this, if this program is not what you want to hear, then, then at least find someone else who can teach you the truth of the word of God about who you are in Christ. If you don't like me, it's okay. But try and find someone who you can relate to, who you can understand what they say, that they are teaching from the word of God, and they are teaching you your identity in Christ, because this is paramount. This is absolutely critical for your walk now as a son or daughter of the Most High God, as, as, a, as one of God's children, growing up into a son and a daughter. Amen. You must know who you are. Because then you can be who God created you to be. You can realize the promises that God promised you of who you are. And you can go about being fulfilled that you are doing the Lord's will that he has called you and all of us to do. You can set others free by the power of the Holy Spirit, working on a mission with the Lord himself, co-laboring and co-working every day. All the while, you are spending also some time with him You are spending time also in his word, and you are getting fulfilled spiritually, but also in your mind. Your mind is becoming renewed, you're becoming transformed, and you're looking more like Jesus every day, so that Galatians 2.20 will become active, operative, energizing, and true for you. Galatians 2.20 will say that it is not I who am alive. So the part of you that's still alive needs to be killed off. And that means that that part of your understanding that's wrong needs to be updated with the truth. You are no longer the person you were before you were born again. You are a brand new species. But the truth is that you must read the word of God so that you can truly receive and understand and believe that for yourself. I cannot believe for you. You have to grasp this for your own self. And then you will be set free from that misunderstanding based on the truth that you just read and accepted for yourself. All right. We are Touch of God. We are on Facebook and YouTube by searching for Touch of God Radio. If you'd like us to pray for you, we'd love to hear from you through our email address. It is touchofgodradio at gmail.com. That's touchofgodradio at gmail.com. And then if you want to call us direct, we are country code one four zero seven seven zero five. 3151. And until next week, you have a blessed week. Amen.